Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about what should Christians think about Donald Trump, the mm-hmm. president of the United States. I popped a nice lukewarm LaCroix for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I am not ready. Yeah, we need a stiff drink for this and it's yeah. a LaCroix. I'm drinking water. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're that's right. You're only water. I am water only right now. Yeah. Does this count, LaCroix? No, that would not be water. What about carbonated water, no flavor? Mm, uh, soda water, yeah, that'd be okay. Okay. You don't like that, though. I do like that. Oh. You put a little lime in there, too, man. That's that's pretty good. Wow. Well, yeah. I, Mom has always been about that. I can't stand non-flavored soda water. Oh, I love that. It like leaves me thirstier than I was when I started. For some Interesting. Reason. It is not a thirst quencher. No, it's like, a, it's like, why put a hat on water, you know? Well, here's the deal. You're dragging us out about water when we just we just really dropped an I'm egg just, there and said I'm we're going to talk about President Trump. I'm just burning and as much what, time as I can. You do not want to have this conversation. <laughs> not really. I don't think either one of us do, but it is an important one to have. And in particular, we're going to respond to an article in Christianity Today, an editorial mm-hmm. from December 19th, saying, I think the title of the article is, Trump should be removed from office. Yeah, from the editor-in-chief, isn't it? Yes, and he yeah. makes contentions that any Bible-believing, Ten Commandment-loving Christian should feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. But first. But first. No no topic on the planet Earth could stop story time. <laughs> story time must always come By the way, first. this is episode 38. Welcome. 30, 37. 38. Welcome sure? to episode 38. Okay, all right. It is. I checked it before we got on. I bu- no, I, I buy it. Welcome yep, to 38. Yep. Yeah, welcome to 38. Two away from episode 40. Yeah. Maybe we should have saved the Trump conversation. What president is he? 40 what? 45. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Maybe we should have waited for episode 45. Too so long, take 45 to, to talk about 45. The, the earth 45 moves, on 45. The earth moves pretty quick. You've got you to jump on That's true. Time. He might right. not even be in office by then. Ooh. He, he, he will be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So it's your turn. It is my turn to tell a story. And I have, you know, sometimes I have to reach into the crevices of the memory bank to get a story. But I actually mm-hmm. thought of three stories today. Okay. Well, you wrestle all about, short. You no, get, I was going to wrestle about which one to, okay. sh- to share. So, um, okay. So I'm 15 years old. Okay. I had been working at Dairy Queen. I love this story. We don't even know what story I'm about to Is tell. Is it the one where you worked at Dairy Queen? No. I left okay. Dairy Queen because I was sick okay. of working with this my sister. The... It was murder. Well, then remember the, uh, that one, the well, drive-thru story. That was going to... The drive-thru? Yeah. Oh, that was at Jack in the Box. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good Let's one. Let's do that story. I'll do that well, story. Well, now I'm dying to know. No, that's all right. So I'm working at Jack oh, in the Box. Goodness. I'm 15 years old, and I show up for my graveyard shift. They had a 15-year-old working... I think I worked um, midnight to... 7 a.m. That's for a 15-year-old alone? Well, I wasn't supposed to be alone. Okay. There's supposed to be two of us there. And so I show up to work, getting ready, you know, working away. And the manager walks over and says, hey, your partner called out tonight. And there is no one to take their place. The manager wasn't going to do it. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to be alone tonight. I'm like, 
you're out of your mind, man. I've been working there like two weeks. <laughs> I feel like that's against like state laws. It, I'm sure it was. And um, so they, they bail on me at about 1230. They're gone. I'm all by myself. So the first thing I do is lock mm. down the lobby. I close the lobby. And then, you know, two in the morning, the drive through at Jack in the Box at two in the morning, it's all the bar crowd and they got oh. the munchies. Oh, my God. And so I just started telling them, you know, because I, I, my drive through lines wrapped around the building. And so I told every one of them, welcome to Jack in the Box. The grill is broken. All I have is fries and onion rings. And I'm just cooking up fries and onion rings. <laughs> I thought it was pretty, pretty uh, innovative, you know, to come up with this plan. That's clever, that lie. Yeah. Well, you know, it was survival of the 15-year-old. So, so I'm war. selling fries and onion rings like nobody's business. Uh-huh. I would make an occasional shake, uh, but I wasn't cooking if burgers. Your gracious heart felt the <laughs> yeah, if I, you know, felt it. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, time kind of fades. Then about three thirty in the morning, this guy, I he's in the drive-through, so I you know hit the thing. Welcome to Jack in the Box. Grills broke. I got fries and no rings. <laughs> he starts screaming call the cops call the cops they're trying to kill me at three in the morning three in the morning so i run to the back and in the door there was one window and i looked out the window you and didn't the, have a cctv oh, security no, camera this is man this is 1970 something 77 wow no cameras no no i'm living in the future i didn't even know it yes i thought every jack-in-the-box had a camera no not then Okay. And so I run back there and our metal door has a little window and I see in the drive through this guy has been trapped by cars on both sides. Whoa. They are shaking his car trying to get the guy out of there. And he's got the window cracked about an inch and he's yelling <laughs> at me, call the cops, call the cops. So innovative Jim again, <laughs> I kicked the door open and I said, the cops are on their way. And I hadn't called the cops and they mm-hmm. jump in their cars and they run off. So this guy is just so thrilled. So he, he drives up to the drive through window and he goes, man, you saved my life. And he lays a bag of weed on the counter <laughs> and he says, man, that's for you. Thanks for saving me. Have a great night. And he drives off <laughs> to the victor of the spoils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be totally transparent, I have never in my life smoked weed, so I had no idea. I was always scared of drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I took it right to the bathroom, flush it down the toilet. And got rid of it, but that was my uh, that was my. And then the then uh, you know you're supposed to the graveyard shift you're supposed to clean everything, man. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to scrub things. I cleaned a few things, and I was like, "You left me here by myself, man. Forget it." <laughs> and that was my last day on that job. Normally, I would say that was a bad idea, but I was just 15 years old. Finally, like 4:30 in the morning, it all died down, and I'm sitting on the floor eating French fries, <laughs> <laughs> feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> I think you were within your rights to to quit. I think, uh, yeah, you know, you did you did the best of what you had. Yeah, a fifteen year old they can't do hardly anything. I don't think uh, I couldn't when I was fifteen. Well, that's true, but I was exceptional. <laughs> <I'm not> sure. <laughs> Remember those other three stories because now I'm dying to know what your Dairy Queen story was. Or... It wasn't a Dairy Queen story. It was that I left Dairy Queen because I was tired of the of the food service because mm-hmm. my sister was the assistant manager and she was vicious to me. And so I didn't want to work there anymore. And so hmm. it was my it was my day at the mall looking for a job. <laughs> I'll try to remember that. Yeah, it was pretty wonderful. Okay. So uh this article, this editorial, I think it's a 
probably an important distinction because it's it's rare that um, magazines in general, especially this this one, uh, release an editorial, especially on this kind of topic. Um, but it dropped a, a, a nuke, right, on the on the conversation within evangelical Christianity about mm-hmm. Donald Trump and the impeachment. Um, kind of walk me through what what that has been. You know, Beth Moore got involved, and and then yeah, know, just well, just kind of everything. Um, it, it, the subtitle of this editorial is "It's time to say what we said twenty years ago when a president's character was revealed for what it was," and that's a flashback to Trump to uh, Clinton's mm-hmm. impeachment. Yeah, yeah. And they and released the thing then. They too. did write an article then that said that his character was morally unacceptable. That. Um, Americans had a right to have trust in their office and in the presidency. Um, and so they, they had written an article then too. So they're, they're saying by, by saying this, they're saying, Hey, we, we went after the Democrat and now we're going after the Republican Mm. and trying to stay nonpartisan. So, uh, their, his position, I want to just read a couple of things because his position has a couple of, uh, legs that he builds it on. Sure. Uh, first of all, he does concede and I think this is important that um, that the Democrats have had it out for him from day one, and therefore nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has led many to suspect not only motives but facts in these impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. So they they give that little precursor. Hey, we know that it's not fair. Mm-hmm. We know he's not being you know that no matter who he is or how good he would be, he would not get a fair shake. But their point then is that the facts on this case are unambiguous and that uh, the president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of his political opponents. So his point is this is not only a violation of the Constitution, but more importantly, a prof- it is profoundly immoral. Then his position is that Christians, he, he's shocked that Christians back Trump mm-hmm. and that Christians will defend him and protect him. And he says that doing so sabotages our witness because how can we speak on matters of abortion or social justice or righteousness or morality when we defend a president who is clearly immoral, who has had multiple uh, uh, people um convicted well whose people in his cabinet have been convicted and yeah that he's had lots of people work for him who've then been convicted of crimes and has uh, said and is proud of saying a lot of pretty um uh i don't know what's what the term what the polite term would be um explosive things or uh or disrespectful things or horrific things yes he he has said and done some things so couple more comments from the article, and then we'll dive into what sure. you and I would talk about. Here's a quote. Unfortunately, the words we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago apply most perfectly to this president. Whether Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote in the next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So there he's sticking a flag in the ground and saying, if you support the God of the Ten Commandments, you must believe that Trump should be removed, whether by election or by impeachment or some other means. Then he goes on to talk about if you support this immoral president, you sabotage your testimony. And um, 
Yeah. Remember, uh, it says to any evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this. Remember who you are. I wonder why he says we might say this. We might say this. I'm saying it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of, the, of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, we will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that, can be, that cannot be tolerated? And with the same straight face, say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end. There you go. There it is. I'm just uh, bald-faced. There yeah. What, what say you, John? Um, first reactions. I, I, can, I, I will lay my cards on the table. And I'll, I'll risk it just like this guy did. Okay. In that um, I agree probably 90% with this article. Really? On, on his, I don't agree with saying if you're a Christian, you must feel this way. Right. But I agree with his sentiments. I think um, that I couldn't vote for Trump in the 2016 election uh, on my own convictions. Was it 2016? Mm-hmm. Man, time flies. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Just back to our New Year's one. And yeah. That one by in yeah. literally no time. I probably couldn't bring myself to vote for him this coming time. Well, in the in the um, effort of transparency, did you cast a ballot in the 16th I did. I wrote in. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wrote in... Uh, uh, Jesus? <laughs> no, it was one of the Pauls. It was Ron or Rand, one of the Pauls. Anyways, probably Ron. I like Ron, even though he wasn't, you know, he was 90 when that election was going on. <laughs> but it was that I wanted to vote and I didn't want. Right. Either. Anyway, um, so I agree with his moral um, speculations that it was, uh, uh, I with with the convictions that I have and with the with uh, the God that we serve, I don't think it was the right thing to do. Um, but also he goes on that paragraph at the end there. I thought was, I thought the whole thing was well-written, um, for whatever that's worth. But, uh, he says that almost as a, a PR move to the secular world from the Christian world, this is a, uh, this is damage control. This is, Hey, we're not all that bad. Mm. We at least got him in the end. Right. You know, the Darth Vader move in the, in the last seconds before the end, we said, Hey, no, we don't like that guy anymore. You know, so uh, and I don't mm. know what merits there are to that. I think the people who I'm your father, Luke. I I lost you with the Star Wars. You reference. did. I should you always know. do. I should have known. I was just gonna. <laughs> I was just gonna red herring right across the trail. Um, but I don't think that's our job. I think the people who don't like Christians very much, as a rule, um, if if every media outlet that was conservative or or religiously affiliated right now said impeach the guy, I think. People who didn't like Christians are still not going to like Christians very much. Mm. And I don't think that's going to change that. And I don't think it's our job to try and change that. Um, because our witness personally to our circle of influence, our oikos, as we like to say, mm-hmm. is the the high priority. That's where the real work and the real um, agency you have is. Right. Um, so that angle uh, saying let's represent um, people of faith better. I don't know what what kind of juice is in that tank for me. Um but that was those were my first. So thoughts. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you're saying that um, if we're going to turn on Trump, 
just to protect our reputation with unbelievers, that yeah. would be a mistake. Yeah. I don't think that should be your motivating factor. Okay. I, I would agree with that. And um, with the caveat that um, protecting your witness is important. For sure. 100% important. Yeah. As a, as a, an individual, I don't know what kind of, you don't have any control over the literally hundreds of millions of, of, of people who would say they are Christians mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that voted for Trump. Uh, you can't, you can't change that the view of people the, the view that people have for that group of people you know you can change what people think of you and that's what i said of the oikos is protecting your witness on an individual level right, right. is your prerogative and, and your uh, responsibility mm-hmm. yeah so um he says that the offenses that uh trump is accused of in this impeachment case are impeachable he is guilty get him out of office mm-hmm and then he also says, even if he's not impeached, his moral compass is so corrupt that he should not be reelected. So those are the two statements. Yeah. Do you, uh, So do you think that his impeachment, his his behavior and this his these accused things are impeachable? Do you think his offenses are impeachable? Uh. Yeah, constitutionally, yeah, because you can't you can't impeach a guy for being a bad person, right? Right. Um, but the the ones that he's actually being charged of, you know, and um, and what is it he's being charged of? Uh, using his the power of office to uh, what was it? Uh, uh, abusing those rights to <laughs> kind of sabotage a political a, a political rival. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, in this case, it was eight hundred million dollars of aid. I don't remember, maybe billions. It was a ton of money. Eight hundred. Let's call it eight hundred million mm-hmm. uh, dollars of aid to Ukraine. And he's saying, "You don't get the money till you do this favor for me." Right. And they're saying that's an impeachable offense. Yeah. Do you, do you believe there's ever been a president who has attached ginormous financial aid to a country with any strings? I'm sure. Constantly. Yeah. But and that's why I don't have a ton of um, I don't have a ton of feelings on his impeachment. I more have feelings on um, on personal responsibility, probably in most things, which is probably to an extent uh, yeah. ignorant. But uh, I don't. Hmm. Well, let me say this. Yeah, I am not defending that he should not be impeached. Sure, I'm saying that his behavior. I don't think there's anyone who doubts that he asked for favors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see any way you can see around that. However, the impeachment process has been so partisan and so unfair and so manipulated that it's hard to trust that process as well. Mm -hmm. So let's set impeachment aside and let's just deal with the moral uh, character of our president and what a Christian ought to do or think or believe about that. Sure. So to specify one thing real quick, um, if you viewed the uh the vote for for trump as a kind of greater good thing right mm-hmm. you say i'm this guy's got um faults but say whether it was for his at the time uh, uh superior or supreme justice court seats which were hugely important mm-hmm. uh economic decisions stuff like that social morality stuff like that mm-hmm. um that's totally i don't fault anybody for that um i think it is the the total acceptance of his character and his language and his animosity and his uh, antagonistic kind of tendencies. Mm-hmm. I think that's dangerous, and I think a lot of people really revel in that. And that is where it seems more of a moral issue to me. Um, so that kind of greater good approach, we said, I'm casting this for those for those justices. That's right. what I'm doing. Right. 
I can I I more see that. So I didn't mean that as a as a sweeping condemnation of people who voted for Trump. And there were there were very many. Right. Yeah. So so when you think about um, moral character in our president, mm-hmm. um, if he weren't elected, who would have been Hillary Clinton? Hillary Rodham Clinton. And would you have a moral challenge to her character? Uh, well, she at the very least composes herself better. I don't, I don't know what that's worth because I'm sure you know, like incredibly you said, articulate, mm-hmm. uh, very savvy. But the but the offenses behind the scenes, for for most presidents who have ever been there, you know, mm-hmm. um, are probably and and reportedly she's no exception at all. Uh, are you saying would that have been a problem for me if she was elected? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you get a moral win if Trump is out and Hillary's in? Not really. You get allowed. You don't get no. You get no improvement. You get a better behaved, right, immoral person, right. But you get no improvement in morality at the core. I think there are a few improvements as far as public relations. No uh, doubt about look it. At no doubt better. about it. I mean, yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. So my point is, Christians are a little bit in a tight spot when it comes to voting for a president because we don't get a Christian candidate. We don't get the Jesus candidate. <laughs> right. Right. So right. Uh, you have some presidents that seem to have really uh, solid character. Jimmy Carter, uh, George W. and George uh uh, H or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know those those guys. Um, even um, Barack Obama seemed to have a lot of character strength. Integrity, yeah. You've got JFK who was, you know, a womanizer. You've got Clinton who was a womanizer. You have you have a lot of uh, flawed, deeply flawed men mm-hmm. uh, who have been our presidents. When you're in a situation where the Christian has to vote for flawed or flawed. Or write in or don't vote. Yeah. What's your What's your suggestion? Well, I wrote in um, because my priorities were uh, in a lose lose situation. Wash your hands of it, kind of. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to to be proud of myself. And that's you could say that that's selfish, and that the the actual selfish thing to do was to make that lesser evil vote, the greater good vote, where I want those justices, I want those those economic. Um, improvements. And Boy, I'm going speaking to, of Supreme Court justices, you've mm-hmm. got a completely different Supreme Court. Oh my goodness! If yeah. you have a different president, yeah. So that was. I mean, I hadn't. Even, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that was. That would be my advice because that's what I did because of my priorities at the time. I guess. What do you think about that? Well, I think that if you're going to be a one issue voter, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't argue against that. Should a Christian be a one issue voter? And there have been arguments in the past. Yes, and that issue is abortion that you should only support a pro-life candidate. Mm -hmm. How could you cast a vote that kills babies? That would be, you know, back when abortion was on the bubble and it wasn't, it was like it could be repealed. That was a big, that was a big deal. Um, uh, Some people, their one issue is social justice, advocating for the vulnerable and having a voice for those who are voiceless. Mm -hmm. And they want a president who's going to do that. I didn't realize how many um, incredibly awesome Christian Democrats there are until I got involved in working with the poor. You, when you work with the poor, and this happened in Denver, we were pastoring there and we, we did a, a community center in downtown to this one particular neighborhood. We started immersing ourselves among the poor mm-hmm. and you could not find a Christian Republican anywhere. Really? Yes. And this saddened me because <clears throat> you couldn't find, now you can find Republicans giving money. 
There's sure, no question about that. Time. But they weren't down there in the trenches. They were all Democrats, and I and, and it was a shocking um, observation to me. Sure. Uh, what if your should your one issue be the economy and looking out for the long term good of our country economically? Should your one uh, issue be constitutional conservation and saying that we have a constitution and we want to make that we want the candidate who most holds the sacredness of that document mm-hmm. um, and that that document is not a living document that can morph with the times. It is a finished document. Um, religious freedom. Should you have a one should you be a one candidate voter or one issue voter? on the issues of which president is going to protect the freedom of worship and the tax exemption of churches, blah, 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 things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, big, a huge thing. Cause I was in, I was at a private Christian school when all, when this election happened was uh, around this time, I think slightly before the election, you know, California pr- was proposed. This bill was on their docket. That was um, uh, removing a lot of the religious freedoms of private schools, right. Christian schools. Right. So that was, this was a, a really kind of a, um, like almost a red scare type thing. Like, well, if we don't, if we don't get Trump in here, these institutions are going, mm-hmm. are gone forever. Uh, and a big thing with, uh, cause Bernie was, so you think that time. was a scare tactic, not a reality? No, no, not that. I'm just saying it was that feeling at the time yeah. where it felt inevitable unless this happened. Yeah. Uh, but that, <clears throat> that, uh, bill fell before the election happened, uh, in the, uh, California, um, legislation. It didn't make it. Um, and, uh, I guess I talked to, um, Dr. Joseph Castleberry. Mm-hmm. I called him one time, another funny little anecdote. One time I called him uh, President Castleberry because I didn't know what to say. I was interviewing him for one of the first times. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it was in passing. I said, good to see you, President Castleberry. Anyway, he said that he had a lot of confidence in the Washington um, state legislation because in general, even though it's a liberal state, uh, they hold religious freedoms very highly in general mm-hmm. on their on mm-hmm. their policies. So that's re- uh, besides the point. But that's a, that was a big thing at the time. So if a Christian is going to be a one issue voter, what issue should they choose? And um, what do they do if there is only evil and evil? Mm-hmm. Do they vote for the least evil? Do they vote for the evil that actually will pursue their ends? Or do they write in or not vote? You kind of answered your conviction on that. I want to sleep at night. Um, I can, you know, I think that I'm grateful for many of the policies and actions that Trump has has put in play, Mm -hmm. Uh, making Jerusalem the official capital of Israel. Um, You know, I I think that he he has, um, you know, Christmas at the White House. He's not. It's (laughs) not the holidays, and he uh, and whatever. So you can pick some of those. But the point is that this is never going to be a clean, here's a Jesus candidate and here's a non-Jesus candidate. That's not going to happen. Almost never has. I can't think of a time where it did occur. So, so there's the complexity of that. What about partisan? You know, one of the questions I've had is why can't Christians who support Trump um, at least confess out loud how embarrassing he is? Yeah. Um, that his tweets are not helping, that his that his immorality prior to election was was shameable. Um, you know, there seems to be this um, position by many many Christian Trump supporters mm-hmm. that we just can't tell the ugly truth about this man. What do you think about that? Well, um, man, um, it seems like the two attitudes. So you're either you either say like like this article did. How could you support him? 
or if you're a Trump supporter and you're a Christian, you say, how could you not support him when you when you look at the dogs on the That's an excellent point. Yeah. So it's never a uh, or it's rarely a um, kind of looking back and forth and lost in the middle type thing. Um, and so uh, I think people are afraid to give up ground because uh, and you actually I'll credit this thought to you before we even recorded. You said, you know. Um, so much. It's like this huge tug of war. And if you were to concede anything, mm-hmm. you give ground to the opposing sides. So if you're to say, man, that was a dumb move. That was a dumb thing to say on live TV or through a tweet at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, you conceded ground. Uh, yeah, because kind of, of the polarized political world. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you conceded something in there that I want to make sure we touch on. You, you, um, you said that... Um, you could say some people will say if you're a Christian, you have to right. want Trump out. Right. And others will say, well, if you're a Christian, you have to want him in. Right. Because of the things he's accomplishing. And so right there is the tension right there. What I think what you just said, and I want to make sure you would say, yes, I believe that is that there's no way a person can say all Christians ought to feel this way. About right. their president. Is that what you mean? That's exactly what I mean. I kind of feel, and and you feel free to, to check me on this if this isn't quite um, applicable, but the same way, you know, the um, same way that Paul says to each of each of his, uh, um, to whatever your, your inclinations are, he, he eats the sacrificed meat, uh, this person won't go near that, you know, uh, I feel uh, like the you, weak and the, the weak and the strong. And yeah. And not even to bring the weak and the strong into this, but, but just the, uh, there's a follow lot, your convictions. There's a lot of there's, freedom. There's conviction yeah. room. Exactly. There's a lot more of it, I think, than people think we have as followers of Christ. There's a lot of room for your own um, expression, your own inclinations, your own convictions. So um, I, w- I would say that that applies, that you have a lot of freedom that don't let someone try and shame you with the okay. scriptures into now, your vote right. you know, or away from your vote. Now, we're going to say right now that the Christian world is also very conflicted on these matters. And you have Christians who say, get the guy out of office. How could you possibly defend him? Christians who say, how could you possibly not want him there? He is the conservative. He's going to, he's going to exercise conservative politics, smaller government, fewer restrictions, uh, better for business, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Christians who say, I want him in office, but I think he is a deplorable human being and and he embarrasses me as an American. Christians seem to have a hard time talking about this openly. When this Christianity Today article got published, um, lots of people right away said, thank you, Christianity Today, for saying out loud what we've been feeling. Totally. And then the overwhelming reaction to that was a lot of Christian conservatives saying, how dare you attack my president? And they just went crazy. And then what I saw was a lot of people, CT has not backed down, but a lot of others started to withdraw, you know, delete their posts. Sure. And get back out of the fray. The political polarization is a big deal. And you mentioned this a second ago, and I think it's important for us to say this, that um, when when, when the left guy has a flaw, they're not going to admit his flaw. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the right and your guy has a flaw, you feel like I can't say his flaw out loud because I'm then losing ground for him and I'm helping them because they will never admit their guy has a flaw. Yeah. And they feel the same way probably that they couldn't do that because they would lose that ground. Right. And so both are attacking the flaws of the other, neither conceding that there's any weakness anywhere. 
Yeah. This has created the political world that I can't stand. I crave, you and I talk all the time about craving a news source that is unbiased and just tells us the facts that would, that would be equally um, affirming and critical of anyone with a bright idea or anyone with a moral flaw. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about what a Christian should do here, should a Christian speak out about the moral bankruptcy of their president if, in fact, that president is the best shot they have at some political, legal, um, you know, constitutional things, even just taking the Supreme Court, as you brought up a minute ago, mm-hmm. uh, should they still speak up and say, hey, this is wrong? The way you speak of women, the way you treat women is wrong. The way you tr- tweet, the way you degrade people, the way you bully people who don't agree with you. Yeah. You know, should Christians be outspoken about that? Well, when you talk about um, responsibility, I don't know what kind of responsibility you have to make a post about that, right? To make a tweet about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is important. I think one of the, the uh, real tragedies here. Is that because I like to I like to think that these goings on are lofty, and if I just focused on my tangible surroundings, um, I can I can uh, I don't know circumvent those mm-hmm. the you know the the Washington D.C. politics, um, but a a, act, a a real casualty of this war has been um, the church. The churches, especially uh, racially. Uh, the churches right now are more segregated color-wise than they've been in a long time because uh, a lot of uh, black evangelicals or black Christians um, felt not welcomed when a when a white church would make a, a pro-Trump statement or a pro mm-hmm. or a conservative statement. Uh, those lines are very well defined uh, by color. So uh, the church has suffered in this in these goings on. So. Uh, and from that view, and because I thought the same thing, I thought it, if a church wanted to not get involved, it's not their job. But it, this happened. Washington State is kind of an anomaly here because of how white the state is in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the South, there were a lot of the, uh, this happened. I don't, there was a big article we were, had to read about it for class. But uh, in the South, black partitioners or or parishioners, 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 yeah, <laughs> partitioners. Um, <laughs> would feel that when the church didn't denounce something, they were no longer accepted that they were, that they were right. by merit of them not being defended. They were not welcome. So right. uh, that would seem to be, seem to say that the prerogative of the church was, or that the duty of the church was to make statements at these things basically every week. Cause that's how often this stuff was happening. Um, and that was just when they weren't even saying anything. So especially if they're saying something, confirming something, you know, you're even, you're more so, but that's different as a church body as opposed to as a as a person individual. Um, I don't know if there's an answer there either. Well, what's interesting about I I mean I affirm everything you just said about the racial tension that that creates. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is I was reading a book and doing some thinking about this a year ago. The country is now more politically segregated than it is even racially segregated. Interesting. You have whole communities that are all in agreement and aligned on political issues where they're not having any intersection with people of the opposite view. And they even choose their housing and the place they live accordingly. So um, this this seems to cross some racial lines where you will see people of all ethnicities land on one side or the other because of their political views 
which they will then um, hold higher than their racial views. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, what I'd like to do, let me see if there's another question I wanted to ask you because is there something you, we haven't discussed that you say, but I wanted to talk about this because I, I, I wanted to close with, I've got a few thoughts for you about what should we do? Hmm. You know, um, as Christians, what is it that we should do? I have a kind of a broader question about, um, what it means. And we talk, I believe this was now feels like a lifetime ago with the politics episode. We talked about what it actually means to be citizens of the kingdom first mm. and what that looks like, you know, in a very t- in a tangible way, in a, in a day to day way, because a lot of the language there in from Jesus is, is kind of not, not, not practical, but not, uh, it's loftier, mm-hmm. you know? So when it, when we say we are citizens of the kingdom of God first, how exactly does that change how we view politics here, how we interact with politics here? Could you help me out with that? Cause that's a large, that's a really big question. question. I think, me. I think that, um, what I'm, what I'm hearing you ask is how do I live as a citizen of the kingdom and a citizen of the United States or the state of Washington or the city of Olympia or wherever you live? Yeah. Uh, how do I engage in both arenas at the same time? Right. Because I, and, and living for, if that's the same answer as just saying you live for Christ first, then that, then I understand that. But because the language is so political there from Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and that he, he established the kingdom, you know, that those are very political messages what is that well and what's interesting is i used to i used to tell myself i would excuse my political disengagement by saying um jesus never and the apostles they never rang their hands wondering who the next caesar was going to be right and 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 that's an unfair uh, comparison because the jews were never in political power they had political power among themselves, among the Jews, but in the world, in the Roman world, right, they were kind of helpless. They were helpless. They were powerless. They got no voice, no vote. Nobody gave a rip what the Jews thought. So they are navigating their faith in a world where they have no political power. Mm-hmm. And so that's not a fair comparison for us because we happen to, in our country, have the opportunity to have political power. And so how does a kingdom person view political power? So um, the short answer I would say for you and me on this conversation of uh, being citizens of the kingdom first is that we follow allegiance to one king and that we try to execute his mission on the earth. Subjugated to that would be our dreams for our country and um, um, any political aspirations we would have not to run for office, but what we would want to see happen politically. Hmm. And that and that what we should be doing is using our energy and time to pursue the priorities of God, even in the human world, over the priorities of self. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that helps me. That's that's all I would. I, I, would I don't add. know if that's helpful enough, but that's my first thought on that. Sure. And I mean, we're already we're deep in. That could be a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah. so. Okay. So let's do the commercial, and then I want to give you uh, four ideas of what a Christian ought to do um, in regards to President Trump or any president. I love it. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. 
the dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Thanks for coming back and thanks for uh, listening to our to our ad. I was thinking, John, about the uh, the kingdom call to Christians. And these are the thoughts I had. I wonder if you would add any to this. First is we are mandated to pray for our political leaders. Pray for those in authority over you, for kings and governors, because all authority structures were established by God, and these people hold power um, for good reason, and they are they are designed to punish evil and reward good. So, your your call is to pray for. Doesn't matter if you like them, voted for them. Um, so, man, every Christian should be praying for their president, and not just their president, but any anybody in authority over them. Totally. So that's the first. Second is I think we should advocate for the vulnerable. We should speak for those who don't have a voice. This is not natural or intuitive to us, and this is why it's a kingdom call. We live in a world where, you know, our Constitution says all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Well, the same guys who wrote that had slaves. Hmm. And there was a point in our American history All you have to go back to, if you're a white person trying to understand racial tension, just go back to the three-fourths compromise where there was concern about how many um, representatives Mm -hmm. uh, a a state would get in Congress, and they were based on population. But it was three-fifths. Three-fifths compromise. They did not want to count blacks as people who get represented in Congress. So they settled on the three-fifths compromise, meaning that an African-American is three-fifths of a person. Mm -hmm. That It turns my stomach to say that our country made an official federal decision like that in our history. So while we say all men are created equal, we know, in fact, that some people are created a little more equal than others. According to the the human world. This is the fallen world. And so God would call us to care about the ones who don't have a voice. And so I think we should use a part of our... uh, political power on behalf of those who don't have any in the same way Paul did as a Roman citizen. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Then, um, the third one is to call all leaders to walk in integrity, to point out unethical behavior, immoral behavior, to raise the bar right now. The bar on moral and ethical behavior is so ridiculously low. It's really low that we believers should be calling for a higher bar. The Me Too movement, while it scared the tar out of a lot of men, is actually a great thing because it forced all men everywhere to think about how they speak to women and how they approach women and what they should or should not say to women. Most of us have never thought of that, and it was it was a powerful thing for good. Hmm. And so uh, we need more of that. We need more of um, a call to a higher standard. For sure. Last is I think that you should vote and vote your conscience. So um, all Christians should vote and you should vote your convictions. So uh, your conviction in this case was a write in. Mm -hmm. I will confess my conviction was a write in as well. 
And uh, but if I had it over again, I would have cast a different ballot. Uh, really? Not, but it didn't matter. My vote didn't matter. It didn't affect this outcome. Right. But in the next election, I will not choose a write-in because I believe that um, the big rocks of what each candidate might do in the political systems of our country and the movement of our country and the shaping of our country is too important to make my vote not count because I chose the write-in candidate. Hmm. That's my conviction. Uh, but you should vote, and you should vote your own conviction. And if it's a write-in, then you should still do it. What do you think of those? I love those. Uh, the last two, I like, uh, maybe just because my memory is so short, I like those a lot. Um, clearly, I like I'm, I like the last one. I think it is, because I used to feel the exact same way. You know, uh, Jesus didn't talk about politics even a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when everyone asked him about it, he kind of threw it back in their face. Was, yeah. You know, almost as if, as if they were dumb for asking mm-hmm. the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is different. We have a lot of power um, as Americans uh, and, frankly, as uh, white Americans. And uh, and it is important. And, and not voting is disrespectful to the rights you are given, to the privileges that God that you have because of God put you where he put you. Yeah. And it is important that you use those tools. Um, yeah. Because good. you've been in doubt of them. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, we're going to have a future episode coming up about sovereignty and destiny. And how many things are destined? There's a place in the scripture where the devil tempts Jesus and he offers him all the kingdoms of the world. He shows him these kingdoms. He says, I'll give you all. If you'll bow and worship me, I'll give these all to you for they are mine to give. Hmm. Jesus does not argue that point in the moment. Doesn't mean that that's a true point. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't argue it uh, in saying, no, you don't have that power. You only have the power my father gave you. Right. Um, But he doesn't argue the point. I don't know. Uh, the 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 sovereign overarching plans of God and political kingdoms, you know, I think these matter too much to God for him to, to not be engaged in some way. Um, but that's a fascinating conversation all by itself. And we'll save that for another episode on destiny and sovereignty. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you're tired of hearing about Trump, sorry, we continue <laughs> can, uh, contributed to the mountain of voices. But these are important conversations important. For, for Christians to think through. And uh, thanks for thinking with us. I hope we didn't wear you out. And uh, wore me out. I didn't even nap. (laughs) Tune in next week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys.